You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 10 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I am so excited to bring you a conversation with my friend Amanda McMullen. She and I met a few years ago through the hand lettering world. We were both um, kind of starting out little small businesses, and we came to know each other through Instagram, and she is so talented. She's a teacher, a singer, an artist, and um I wanted to have her share with you about her business and ministry, Asher Marie Company, which she'll tell you about in a little bit. Um, but Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, you're welcome. I'm so excited to have you on. So to get started today, I was wondering if you could share with our listeners a little bit about how you came to know the Lord and how you ended up doing what you do today. Yeah, so I... Um my faith journey is kind of interesting. So I was raised in a home of professing Christian parents, um, but we never went to church. Um, and so I always had this like <clears throat> longing and desire to know the truth and to know Jesus. And honestly, like the biggest motivation in my life when I was younger was to be right and good. So I, it's kind of funny. I was like a little goody two shoes. I always followed the rules and I desperately wanted to know Jesus because that I felt like that was the right thing to do. So I remember when I was like nine years old, I would ask all my friends who went to church, like, can I go to church with you? I want to, I want to go to church. And so I would go with their families <laughs> and my parents would take me sometime. My mom would take me um, occasionally to different ones, but um, yeah. So I would kind of just like church hop with my friends and, but really it wasn't until college. And that was when I really, really came to know the Lord. Um, and I, I actually went on a missions trip to Ghana, like a short-term missions trip. And it, it ended up being, it was supposed to be larger, but it ended up being me, um, this guy, Sam, and then a father and son. So it was the four of us. <laughs> so of course the father and son hung out a lot. So me and Sam were like buddies on that trip. And he was an older, he was maybe in his forties and his wife and his children came along uh, with us because they were going to end and they were going to visit their family there. And um, I think just like in coming to know me and wanting to get to know me a little bit more, he sort of was like, this girl has never had any discipleship. And so he like poured into me on that trip, but then not just then, but even when we got back, I mean, he and his wife like had me over constantly. They prayed for me constantly. They were always, he would assign me scripture passages. I didn't know anything about the Bible. He would assign me scripture passages and then call me at like seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I'm a college student and asked me if I had read the, the passages. And I mean, they were, he was really, like a spiritual father to me in my life. And I'm so forever grateful for him because he didn't have to do that. You know, he just saw a need and kind of, you know, said, okay, this girl doesn't really know um, anything. So I'm going to teach her the yeah. way of following Jesus because she obviously yeah. wanted to know, you know? So yeah, that's my faith journey. That was, that was when I was about 20 years old. So that's when I, I got baptized um, and truly gave my life to Jesus. Mm, I love how God places people specifically in our lives at certain times to draw him to draw us to him and i mean 
he sees us and he knows what we need. And like the way he pursues us, it's so intimate and so specific. Yeah. I just love that about him. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So as you grew from there and continued on your journey, what ways would you say that God has shown up in your life that were different than what you expected? So, okay. Um, Honestly, I feel like from the time I was 20 through now, I'm 31, about to turn 32. Um, I feel like God, my my journey with the Lord was almost, you know, pretty predictable, I guess. You know, there were things that needed to be dealt with and healing and things like that that had to happen um and consecutive. But it was, it was always like a like a deeper entering into like more joy, more peace, more um, all of those great things until um, until I turned 28. So I guess it was about, um, yeah, seven or I guess it was 20. So about eight years of Mm -hmm. me really following the Lord and kind of just having it be predictable. Like, wow, this is the Christian life, like more healing, more joy and all of these things. And then when my husband and I started trying to have a family, we had been married for about three years and, um, I, we were like, okay, let's, let's start to try to grow our family. And we tried and tried and tried and tried and, um, made it to about a year. And that's like when the, the dreaded appointment has to be made with the OB saying, okay, why aren't we getting pregnant? What's wrong? And, um, and so, you know, my husband and I are both really healthy. We were, you know, relatively young and I didn't know what was going on. So, appointments and after appointment, after appointment was made. And, you know, over the next year or so, um, I had so many tests done, found out I had silent stage four endometriosis that was Mm -hmm. causing me to not be able to conceive. And in that moment, like I just, I felt so betrayed by God, not only my body, but God, because I, I thought, you know, why didn't you warn me about this? Why didn't you tell me that this horrible. I mean, stage four, it was almost like, so the, I'm not even going to go into all the details, but basically it, it was like toward the end to where like, maybe my fertility would not even be able to be preserved at all. Um, mm-hmm. thankfully with the help of some surgeons, like they were able to remove a lot of it. Um, but even, I mean, it's been two years since my surgery and I still haven't been able to conceive. So it's pretty bad and pretty severe. And so I had a really, really hard time with that. Because like I said, up until that point, my relationship with God was all, you know, wonderful and, you know, butterflies and roses. And now all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I had this disease eating away at my body for how God knows how many years. And why, why did you let this happen to me? Like, what if I never am able to have children? That's always been a dream of mine. And, and so that kind of like made me just kind of go down into this deep, dark valley, like the dark night of the soul. Um, it's been, we are, we, this month actually marks, um, our, like the end of our fourth year of walking through infertility. So March will be, uh, March will be year five, entering year five. So it's been quite a long time. Um, but I will say that God, like, you know, okay. So I know you guys like to talk about Enneagram on your podcast and I'm an Enneagram seven. And, um, I'm very naturally joyful, very optimistic. That's been my whole life. You know, it's like no challenge is too hard. And like, we can always see the bright side. Well, I could not see the bright side of this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was yeah. like a true test. And I, and so, you know, my natural tendency is toward optimism, toward joy, but I will, I guess to answer your question, like 
he, I didn't expect that God would show up in lament and the practice of really de- like diving deep into grief. Um, yeah. Because that's, that doesn't come naturally to me. I hate sitting in emotional pain. That's like my biggest fear, you know, and yeah. being trapped in that. And when you have a chronic illness or when you have, you know, infertility or something that's just ongoing, it doesn't have like a clear end date. You really are sort of trapped. I mean, you have to figure out how to exist in that space. And so, um, yeah, the Lord taught me a lot about lament and he really met me in that. So I can talk a little bit more about that if you, if you would like. Yeah, I would love that, especially if you have kind of a word for someone who is nodding along with you or maybe mm. just feels those tears welling up because that's where they are. And, mm. and they're, you know, years into this season of waiting or the the chronic illness or the infertility or whatever it is for someone out there that you are just speaking directly to their soul. Like what encouragement or hope do you have for them? So, okay. I read a book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or if you've maybe, maybe even mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's called um, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Have you heard of that book? No. Oh man. It is so good. You got to read it. It's called okay. um, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It's by a guy named Mark Vrogop. And <clears throat> that book honestly changed my life because um, he has this quote and he sort of starts the book by saying that lament is the bridge between a hard life and worship. And, mm-hmm. and that spoke to me so much in my deep emotional pain because I felt like I could not worship. I would go to church and I'm like, how can I, you know, I honestly was so mad at God, but I, because of my like tendency to just be joyful all the time, I was like, no, no, I'm not mad at God, you know, kind of like hiding it, shoving it below the surface. But, um, once I realized like God gives us permission to grieve, he, and, and the grief. And I think this was another thing, like my fear was that I was going to be trapped in emotional pain. If I, if I really went into lament, if I really told God how I felt, if I really explained to him how angry and betrayed I was, um, or I felt by him, then he, then I would just be in the pit forever. I would never get out. But I love that quote because, and that whole book talks about that, like how lament is, is a bridge. It's not somewhere where you just get stuck. Like that's bitterness, that's resentment. And you can get stuck there for sure. But don't be, I guess what I would say to somebody who is um, experiencing something really painful over a long period of time is like, don't be afraid to tell God how you feel. Don't be afraid to really cry out and be honest. You know, I mean, like Psalm 13 says, um, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? And so, I mean, like these words are in the actual Bible and like you can you can pour out those, those feelings to God. And I mean, David is literally saying, how long are you going to hide your face from me? He's telling God, you're hiding your face from me. And obviously God doesn't hide his face from us, but it, sometimes it really feels like that, you know? And so if David, who is beloved by God, can say, why are you hiding your face from me? Why are you letting me experience suffering all the day long and sorrow in my heart? Then we can certainly cry out to God. And you're not going to get stuck there if your heart is for Jesus. Like if you really, if you're, if the deepest cry of your heart is to know him more, you're not going to get stuck there. It's going to build a bridge to worship because I mean, we can't truly work. We can't worship in spirit and in truth if we're going to not be 
truthful about our feelings and like God can handle those things. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That hits. <laughs> that that hits, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh man. So as you've walked through this then, you know, you said the first part of your faith journey with God was was the highs and, you know, mm-hmm. all this joy and all this good stuff and healing. So how has God deepened your relationship with him and taught you new things about his character through this? Like, what do you love about the character of God now even more? Yeah. Well, I feel like I have gone through, oh man, if I could just tell you, like I have gone through such a pit for the past, like, you know, honestly, it's been kind of recent, like it within the last couple of months that I've really started to just like, dive deep into who God truly is. And, and I feel like, again, with like lamenting and bringing up the painful feelings that you have um, of betrayal, like when you speak those things out, when you say those things out loud, it kind of like, it makes you aware of like how untrue some of the things that you're believing are, you know? And so I feel like uh, in confessing the things that I was getting wrong about God and like, you know, being honest with him about how I felt about the situation. Um, Mm. I felt like he, it forced me to like really confront who he truly is. And that's the thing too, about the Psalms of lament. If you read the Psalms of of lament and there's like a bunch of them, I think there's like, you know, 60 or 70 of them. They always follow a sort of arc where, you know, there's like this crying out to God. There's this complaint of like, what are you doing? Where are you? Why is this happening to me? And then Mm. it goes into um, and ask like, uh, like, um, God, will you restore me? Will you like take this away from me? Or will you, you know, there's like something that you ask him for. And then there's always at the end of it, a declaration of who he is. And so I feel like that, even that journey of like going down into that has, has made me like reaffirm because at the end of that, like after you pour out your heart, it's like, oh yeah, it's like, there's something, the Holy spirit, you know, inside of you is like, I'm not hiding my face from you. I'm with you. I, and you can reaffirm those things. And so I, but one thing I do love about the Lord that I have learned about him through this is that he is okay with us, like with our pain and we don't have to get out of grief in order to be close to him. Like, I think that's a a big lie that I, I believed, you know, it's like, and I feel like also as Christians, we just sort of fall into that pattern of just like, trying to fix people's problems. And girl, I, like if I could just tell you, I mean, all of the times where I have opened up to someone about like, you know, what I'm going through and they immediately try to fix the problem. They immediately try to, oh, well, you know, whether it's like trying to give me medical advice, which you should never do. Um, <laughs> or it's like, you know, kind of just slapping a little trite, you know, like Christianese phrase onto someone's deepest pain and heartache. It's like, you know, why, why do we think we need to do that? Like they're mm. great. Someone who is in grief can actually be closer to the Lord than someone who's like on this high mountaintop. And I think that's okay. something that has shifted in my thinking a lot is like, you know, the moments when I'm at the lowest and when I'm feeling just like overwhelmed by sorrow and grief like the Lord is right there with me. He's holding me. He's comforting me. And he's like, my father, I really feel like that's the thing that he's just been showing me and correcting all of these like misconceptions that I have about his character. Like it all comes back, at least for me in this season, it's like, 
his fatherhood. Like he is a good father and he loves us. He cares for us. He's present with us. He doesn't always give us what we want, but a good father doesn't, you know, like a good father gives us good gifts, but at the appropriate time. And he doesn't like just give us candy, whatever we want. It's like, he knows he has such a perspective. And so I'm just learning so much about his character and his love towards me, because I mean, a lie that I really believed for a long time was that I was really rejected by him because I mean, like, you know, I, you probably can relate to this too. Like I am 31 and I have a friend who's pregnant with her fourth kid. It's like, I mean, I just feel like be, I'm being passed by and, you know, I've had this like awful picture in my head of a God who just doles out wonderful gifts to everyone but me and says, no, like you don't get to have this. And I think that's what a waiting season can do to us. That's just what the enemy wants to do. You know, he always wants us to accuse God. Um, And so I feel like when you're waiting for something over a really long period of time, like we were talking earlier about singleness and um, how that's a similar journey too, or chronic illness or infertility, or, I mean, there's so many things. Maybe it's a long season of like, struggling financially. There could be so many different things, or maybe you're older and you have, you know, a child, an adult child who's not following God or like going off the deep end. I mean, there's just so many things where we just wait and wait and wait, and we're still not seeing our prayers answered. And it's just really tempting to believe that God is not good and that he, and you see things happen for other people. That's the thing. It's like, it's like in some ways it's encouraging, but it's like, but why is it that happening for me? And so like, what did I do wrong? But I just always go back to John nine, where, you know, all of the Pharisees are trying to figure out why this guy was born blind. And Jesus says, it's not because of his sin. It's not because of his parents' sin. It's so that the glory of God can be revealed in his life. And so Mm -hmm. I've been clinging to that as like the glory of God will be revealed in my life through this. And that's why, you know, he's allowed it to happen. I don't believe, you know, personally, theologically that God gives us sickness and disease. You know, I don't believe that. I think that that's a result of the fall. That's like from the devil. However, like we know that God controls all things. And so he can like, he could stop it. And that's, that's something that we have to reckon with. It's like, you know, he could heal me and I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, you know, but I do know that he's a good father and that he loves me very much and that the glory of God will be revealed in my life. So yeah, so that's a lot, but I hope that answers the no, question. It, that is so good. And I love that. And it's so encouraging and filled with hope, but also real. Like you're not trying to sugarcoat anything. Like this is where you're at. And, you know, God is starting to use your pain to draw you closer to him, but also yeah. to like give you this platform where you have been encouraging and inspiring other women with your story. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Asha Marie Company or a lot about it and how it, you know, how it came to be kind of the origin story of that and how God is using that in your life right now. Yeah, for sure. So I, I was doing art. And when I met you, actually, I had a different company name and I was just sort of like, I don't know. I was figuring out like, what am I doing? Like what I like art. I like painting. It's therapeutic for me and I'm making stuff for my friends and they're asking to buy it. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'll start a business, but I didn't really have any kind of direction. 
And at that time I was really going through, I mean, just like the throes of kind of like the early infertility where I'm just like, what is happening? What are we going to do? And like, you know, this is thousands and thousands of dollars and what do I, you know, it's just so overwhelming. And so I started like sharing just a little bit, like, like dipping my toes into the water. I would like share a little bit about my story. And every time I would mention it, like people would just be like, Oh my gosh, what? Like, tell me more. I want to know more about this. I mean, I think people really connected with it because it's not just, you know, an infertility thing. It's like, I just, I was just actually memorizing, um, part of Romans eight with my women's Bible study. And there's like, you know, the thing about like the whole creation groans and is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. It's like, everyone's groaning for something. And ultimately we're all groaning for Jesus to come back for things to be made right for like all that's lost to be recovered. So, you know, I think it really resonated with, with people. And so I was encouraged by a business coach actually in our area to start you know, to kind of go along with that and start sharing more, like, what if you painted some stuff about your infertility journey and what you're processing? And so it was really therapeutic for me to just kind of start like painting my feelings and painting things that are, you know, even like a lot of scriptures, like about grief and pain and those who sow in tears will shall reap in shouts of joy and things like that. And, um, and kind of sharing my story in the midst of that. And, um, yeah, it was, it's been amazing. Like I've connected with so many women, um, who are going through the same thing. Like I have all these Instagram friends that I've like never met who are so amazing, who have supported me on my own fertility journey, who I've been able to encourage. And like, there's some that we like use Voxer, like multiple times a week, we just box each other encouragements back and forth. And like, I've never met these people in real life. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's been so amazing because, you know, we, we have to hold each other up. Like we have to encourage each other, um, through these kinds of things. And I feel like, you know, as much as I can like rail against social media sometimes for all the, the bad things about it, one great thing about it is that it does connect people who, you know, cause before, I mean, before social media, I knew like literally one person in my life who had struggled with infertility and I can't just talk to her constantly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I can't just put that burden on only this one person. So that's what has been really cool is it's connected me with women all over the country and even the world. Like some people, even not even in the United States who are reaching out and who are connecting with the message. So yeah, it's been really yeah. awesome. And what is the heart behind the name? Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to have something to do with motherhood. So I wanted to use my middle name, which is Marie, because, um, it's my middle name. It's my mom's middle name. It was her mom's middle name. It was her mom's middle name. It's like this legacy middle name. And so, um, and it's all of my aunt's middle names. And so I was like, okay, this like has a theme of motherhood. I'm going to use the name Marie. And I was like, oh, would it like, I thought about maybe using my grandma's name. I had a couple ideas, but then I was like, let me check into the meaning, you know, let me check into the meaning of, of the name. And I don't, I knew the meaning of my first name, Amanda, but I didn't know the meaning of Marie. And it comes from Mary, which also comes from the, the root word Mar, which is bitterness. And I was like, oh, dang. And then it can also mean wished for child. So bitterness and wished for child. I was like, okay, Lord, are you speaking to me? Like, what is this? And so I was like, okay, that can't, it can't stop there. Like I can't just call it like Mariko or something like that. Like it's gotta, I can't just be like bitterness and the wished for child. Like, and so I was thinking, okay, what's a biblical name that means something counter to that. And so I've always loved the name Asher and I know it means laughter. And so it can also mean joy. 
So I decided, I was like, what if I put them together? So, but I chose to, at first I was thinking Marie Asher, Asher Marie, but I just, I decided to do Asher first because I wanted to show like the, the prioritization of laughter and joy in front of like before and over like triumphing over bitterness Mm. while you're waiting for a wish for a child. So it's kind of a long explanation, but it means something to me. And it's really special to me um, that all of those elements kind of tied together and it's part of my name, but it's not my name. So, you know, (laughs) it's kind of cool. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think it's just a prophetic name too. Right. Joy will cover you and Exactly. And and one of the things that like people sometimes will point out to me, and I, I very much know this about myself. Like I use, I just can't get away from bright colors. Like I have to use bright colors, like the brightest colors, like so much of my stuff is like rainbow colored stuff. And like, I, and that's something that I love. Like I love color. I love bright things and I love, you know, and even my personality being still being like, even through the midst of this, like still being able to see the bright side of things and being an optimist and seeing, um, you know, the joy that can be found in the midst of suffering and pain. I I feel like a lot of my work has a lot of, um, themes of grief, but there it's like super bright colors. So I feel like that's another theme too. It's everything is brightly colored, but it's all about like grief and suffering. (laughs) So it's kind of funny. It's like, but that's the thing though. Like our life is filled with, you know, trials. Jesus said that we would have difficulty in this world and our lives are filled with trials. And if we can't also like hold space for joy in the midst of that, like, we're not going to make it. Like (laughs) we got to find space for joy, even in the, they can coexist, you know? Yeah. What are some ways that you have made space for joy in your life and that you've clung to that and are claiming that maybe over your marriage and your life and your business or any of those areas? Well, okay. So I, I feel like anytime I'm tempted to be depressed or, you know, whatever about my situation, I always turn to thankfulness. I just feel like that's, Mm. that's gotta be the way, you know, like we have to we have to thank God because we've been given so much more than we deserve. And so I, um, I love to really focus on the things that I do have while still hoping for the things that I don't yet have. And so, um, yeah, I love like traveling and my husband and I always are going on food tours and like, we, we just like to, you know, go on little weekend trips and things like that. And just kind of like, yeah, sewing into our marriage, finding joy and life and like freedom in that. Um, and really trying to like, because we do, we're aware that once we do have kids, like we might not be able to do some of these things. So we're, we're being like grateful in, in the ways that we live our life and the things yeah. that we do that we couldn't do, you know, once we do finally get that long awaited mm-hmm. promise. Um, so yeah, but thankfulness and just sewing into my marriage and, and friendships really, oh my gosh, friendships have carried me through seriously. Like, you know, like really sewing into other people and and allowing them to sow into me and just experiencing the community that comes with like the church and with sisterhood and, and getting to really like, yeah, I don't know, just pour into those deep, deep friendships. Cause again, that's another thing. I'm like, you know, once I become a mom, it's like, it's hard to, I know my early, my new, new mom friends who it's like, it's hard to <laughs> carry on a conversation. They disappear so, for a while. Yeah, exactly. Which this, that's okay. It's okay. Yes, yes. But I, but right now I think I'm just, that's another way I practice thankfulness, I guess, is just, you know, really like prioritizing friendship. So, yeah, you know, and what you said about, you know, just trying to enjoy this season of your marriage now, because when you do have kids, mm-hmm. this season's over. And yeah. I feel like that 
in my season of like dating right now. Mm -hmm. And as much as I want to be married, you know, I hear, you know, you, it's like, well, you have what I want and someone else has what you want. Oh, totally. Everybody has something someone else wants, but God has us each on these individual, unique journeys and just trying to be so thankful for where I'm at and not like wish this away. Yeah. But it's hard. I, you oh, know, yeah. It's hard to, you have to do that every day and choose to be thankful and choose to see the ways that God is showing up for you and providing for you right now. Yeah. Even though your life looks different than you expected, you know, right. I never thought I'd be 35 and still not married and living in a friend's guest bedroom at the moment, you know? <laughs> but, you know <laughs> yeah, but then it's like, but when I flip that around, I remember that that the fact that I have this guest bedroom to live in while my condo mm-hmm. is still being renovated mm-hmm. is such a gift from the from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like he provided this yeah. out of nowhere. And I'm so thankful. So it's like I could feel bummed about it and it's not where I thought I'd be. But then God gently reminds me, yeah, but it's where I have you and Mm -hmm. I gave it to you and it's good and you're learning. And I just feel like for both of us, as you were talking, I kept thinking all these things God is teaching you right now are going to make you an even more incredible and loving and understanding and wise mother. Mm. Like he's shaping you. you into this mother that, that you may not have been had you not walked through this. And it's the mother that your child is going to need. Yeah. And I think you'll look back on this season and just see every way that God equipped you for what's going to be next. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I feel that so clearly for you and some of our listeners out there, like the things you're walking through, someone in your future is going to benefit from them. Mm -hmm in ways that you can't even imagine. Yeah. And it's going to all be so worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. I actually, I was talking to, sorry, my video just got super blurry. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, But um, I was just talking to a friend and kind of like a mentor to me um, just yesterday, actually. And I was just processing some stuff with her. And I just was like, man, I just got to tell you, she really pours into me. She's like such a a mentor. And I just was like, I got to tell you, I am so thankful for you. Like you have, you know, like she's just guided me along, spurred me on, you know? And she said, you know, I, and I want to encourage you back and say that, you know, cause I kept saying, you're so wise, you're so wise. And she was like, I want to encourage you right back and say that this wisdom that you're talking about was forged through some of the hardest things I've ever gone through. Mm. So like, you know, I'm able to give to you right now because I went through really hard things too. And she has gone through, you know, really, really hard things. And I'm like, oh man, okay. Yes. Like, so that means that if I just continue with the Lord, if I abide in him through this season, like he's going to one day, he's going to give me wisdom. He's going to forge wisdom in me so that I can, you know, help others who are struggling too. So yeah, you're totally right. Like he, and the other thing is like, I love, I don't know if you are like this, but I love reading stories about like, you know, giants in the face. Like I love reading, like one of my favorite books ever is The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And just learning about like these people who went through 
crazy trials. I mean, horrible things, much more, much worse than what I'm going through. And it's like they, and I look at them in awe and I'm like, wow, look at their, Mm. you know, perseverance and look at like all, all that they're giving to me, even decades and hundreds of years later um, through their writings and things like that. But like, we just don't want to go through the hard parts that kind of like forge that in us. But that's, that's the way, you know, like it Mm. says that we will share in his glory provided we share in his suffering. So there is you know, obviously that's not the, that's not God's high. It's not his will. It's not his way, you know, like he didn't create things. He didn't create us to suffer, but you know, in the redemption of all things, like every bit of suffering that's caused by the fall will be redeemed. And that gives me hope. And I, and I believe that even in, in my life, my life right now, you know, in the land of the living, like I will see redemption from all of these mm-hmm. things in what you're talking about, being able to minister to people, being able to, you know, help, encourage someone who's going through something similar. So for sure. Amen. That is so good. So we are almost out of time. So what did we miss? What is a final thought that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Okay. So I wanted, I wanted to share just really quick, like, um, for people like we were talking about who are going through like a long-term waiting season or who have been praying and praying and praying and not seeing their prayers answered. I just, um, I want to encourage people like with this, um, there, there's a, another podcast called the place we find ourselves. Do you know that podcast? No, it's a great one. Oh yeah. It's really great. Um, and it's by a Christian therapist and his name is Adam Young. And he has this one episode about hope and how hope is a battle and how hope is not this fuzzy, warm thing. It's actually like something that we have to fight for. We have to, you know, but a lot of people give up when, when their prayers are not answered because, Mm -hmm. and then they, you know, create a theology around it. They say, oh, maybe, maybe God just doesn't want that for me. So I'm going to stop praying for that. You know, like they just kind of give up, which I get it. It's easier to do that. But one of the things that he said that like really stuck with me is that, um, God, God is the only one who gets to decide which prayers he says yes to and which ones he says no to. We don't get to decide that. Our responsibility is as children. And I I mean, children just ask for things unashamedly, you know, like they don't, it doesn't matter. They don't say, oh, well, she probably isn't going to give that to me. So I'm not going to say, they don't care. They ask you, you know? And so I just feel like there's such a freedom to ask the Lord. And I know it's hard when you don't see your prayers answered, but like, just trust in God that he's the one who gets to decide that so many prayers are answered that seem impossible. Um, and then, you know, others for whatever reason are not, but he's the only one who gets to decide that. And so just to like meditate on the character of God and remember who he is, because that's, what's taken me through, you know, this long waiting season of just not, you know, seeing the desires of my heart fulfilled, just like, meditating on the character of God and being like being persistent, not only in your prayers, but also in your um, fight to believe the truth about who God is, because it's just really easy to get to fall prey to the schemes of the enemy and believe like that God's not good because he hasn't answered my prayer yet. And it's just not true. Like he's so good. And right now there are treasures in your life, in the hard place that you're in, that like he wants to reveal to you right now. Um, And it's not going to be forever because everything changes in life, every season. Like, you know, it's like nobody is in one season forever. Um, So it's going to change. So like, you know, get the most out of where God has you, I guess is just what I would say. And don't give up hope and don't believe the lies that God's not a good father because he is a good father and he loves you. So 
that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> that is amazing. A perfect way to end. Amanda, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thanks, Jess. I loved that conversation with Amanda, and I love how we connected a few years back, like I said at the beginning, over our art. And, you know, we were following each other on Instagram and both doing hand lettering and both reconnecting with this creative side that God had put in us. And the thing about creativity is that every single person is creative. You may not feel like you're artistic, maybe your strength is not painting or um, singing or drawing or something like stereotypically artsy, but we are each creative. Our very lives are an act of creation. Um, Erwin McManus talks about that in his book, The Artisan Soul, that everything you're doing is creating the life that you were meant to live or you were designed to live. And, um, you know, we are that way because we're made by a creative God and we're made in His image. And so in my Bible study this week, we've been diving into the first name of God in the Bible, Elohim. Genesis 1-1 starts out with, in the beginning, God created. God, the word there is Elohim. And it's used in Genesis 23 times to talk about God creating. He is a creative God. He created everything out of nothing, Hebrews 11.3 tells us. Um, And, you know, that kind of has stuck with me this week as I've been reflecting on that and thinking about God creating everything out of nothing. He can still do that in our lives today. He can take nothing and make something. Like when we feel like we have nothing left to give, we have no resources left at our disposal, that is when God can just blow us away by what he can create. I mean, since the beginning of time, he has been creating beauty out of chaos. He's been creating beauty where nothing existed before, and he has made it good. Um, And I know there are so many things in this world that are broken, so many people hurting, so much pain and suffering, And yet I believe that God is still in the process of making it good and that we won't see the full redemption until Jesus returns and we have the new heaven and the new earth, but God will not leave things broken. It's not in his character. He is a good creator and he will restore things to that good state that he originally intended. Um, And I just pray that you see glimpses of that in your life this week. Look for his goodness. Look for his create creative nature. Um, you know, get out in nature and see the things that he has created and try and appreciate the beauty, beauty around you. Um, so I'm just going to leave you with that today. I hope you have a wonderful week. I love you very much and I am praying for you. So we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Jess Biondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.